Hello, fandom friends. You're listening to Tag T for Swears, a semi-academic podcast about fandom, fan culture, fanfic, and friendship. I'm Hannah Davey. And I'm Becca. And we are going to talk today about music, soundtracks, fan mixes, sort of just all of those topics, music and fandom, and being fans of music (laughs) about various media, like movies and shows and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I guess we're talking like being a fan of media music, but not necessarily music fandom. Which is a very yes. different thing. Oh God, yes. We and something that I don't know much about. We don't know anything about that. Um, that's an episode we'd need a guest for because, good Lord, I, I I don't know about that. No. Seen some fanfic out there about real live music artists that I didn't read because I was like, I don't want to know <laughs> that people ship these characters who are actual yeah. people. I don't know if I would call myself a fan of any particular band or artist. There's a lot of musicians and artists that I like a lot, but like I haven't gone to very many concerts. I don't have a lot of very strong opinions about bands or artists. I'm just like, yeah, I like this well enough, but Mm -hmm. not willing to spend more than like $40 maybe. (laughs) Yeah. If that. And there are very few artists that I'd be willing to spend $40 to go see. True enough. Back when we could go to concerts, I went to a fair number of them, but it was kind of carefully curated. Like I'd go to six or seven a year, probably. And I think I've gone to like six or seven in my life. <laughs> that's fair and fine. It's very loud there. I bring earplugs. I'm old, uh, but I like the energy and it's kind of fun to just see people play music live. Um, it becomes pretty spectacle-ish and the lighting is really fun for me. I'm an ex-theater tech and so seeing lighting designs is very fun for me. Music fandom. I feel like there's some people who got really into particular bands and it became like a part of their identity. Like My Chemical Mm. Romance comes to mind where people were like very into just the, or like boy band culture, which I did. One Direction. One Direction, in sync even to go back to our childhoods. (laughs) And now it's a whole thing with K-pop, which is a different conversation to have totally than the one that we want to have. I can give a lot of soundtrack recommendations, especially for like study playlists. Oh yeah. Nice. <laughs> I have so many. That's all I listen to for years. I have some, I have a weird relationship with some soundtracks, which is kind of fun. How so? I, well, I came home last night and my roommates were listening to Disney uh, songs and they had done it because um, Cole was like, well, I was doing the dishes. So of course I had to listen to let's get down to business from now. Nah, she got it. <laughs> And it reminded me of when I was growing up, we had a couple of like best of Disney compilation CDs for, for movies I've still never seen. Like they had oh, like, which ones have you not seen? God, like, um, like live action Disney movies. Oh, okay. I can still probably sing a lot of them. Some of them were from like Disneyland too, like the Tiki Room song oh, uh-huh. from that. But we also had the entire Lion King soundtrack. That's a good one. It's very good. My brother and I would act it out with stuffed animals. I was always Scar, uh, and he had to be all the hyenas <laughs> during uh, Be Prepared. And then I also remember, I mean, this this dates me, but that we had one of those big CD players that could hold 200 CDs, yes. and you had to type in a number, and it would go to that CD and play it, and it was, it's so oh cool. Oh my god, amazing. But the problem is, sometimes you'd pop a CD out and move it to a different spot, <laughs> and 
your children wouldn't know about it. And then you listen to the Pulp Fiction soundtrack, which has interspersed uh, scenes from the movie, especially the one where they're just screaming motherfucker in the middle of a restaurant about like, get on your motherfucking knees. And my mom busted into the living room. My brother and I were just frozen. We just danced to Miserloo, which is a really fun song. And then this like screaming starts and uh, my mom busted in and like slammed the stop button and was like, what was that? And we were like, we just wanted to dance. (laughs) We just wanted to sing the Lion King. Yes. So um, oh, no. that was, that's kind of been my exposure. My first exposure with soundtracks was definitely Disney and yeah. loving Disney. I remember enjoying Disney movies and the soundtracks when I was younger, but I don't remember having any of them. Oh, yeah. Um, which I could be remembering wrong, but I just, I don't remember having any of them. So I think the earliest soundtracks that I can remember having and singing along to were first the parent trap soundtrack like the Lindsay lohan version Uh and the shrek soundtrack hell yeah both of which are extremely good shrek has so many bangers on there i still love the rufus wainwright version of hallelujah because of shrek (laughs) there's so many good songs on there fucking good both of them are fantastic i guess these are not like they're not songs that are sung in the movies but just you know the background to the movie itself but yeah very very good soundtracks the, the funny thing I feel like with Disney movies is that it was based on operettas, I believe. So like Disney movie songs, it'll progress like a plot. And so mm-hmm. I feel like it was super good as a kid because you could go through the plot of Aladdin based on the songs and yeah. like act out what you remembered of the movie. And then oh, for sure. the kind of the difference with those sorts of soundtracks is like it's more about evoking a mood. Mm-hmm. I wonder about like the inclusion of some songs. Sometimes it makes total sense and it's a really cool idea. Like I'm thinking about the Captain Marvel soundtrack and how it had a bunch of 90s songs in it to very much place yeah. it in like the 90s. Uh-huh. But sometimes it goes for kind of that timeless classic thing. I mean, like it's Shrek and they play Hallelujah or they play that like <laughs> on the road. What What's the like traveling song? On the road again? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember if that was on the soundtrack or if Donkey just sings that for a couple of bars. I know that's that one, but I feel I like I think there's... that's just he sings it. <laughs> I have a vivid image of like the Mon Mui Yi. Like I can't remember what the song is, but oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah 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 um, yeah. Oh shoot, what was the name of that song? I, I know what one you're talking about too. I and know. it's got such. I, I'm like gonna. If I try to sing it, it'll just be me making a lot of like weird noises because I don't know what he's saying. It's just like I don't know what he's saying either. Oh, wait. <laughs> I know um, the tune though. It's like I'm on my way. Yeah. I'm on my way by the Proclaimers. It's just on. It is by the Proclaimers. I was wondering. Okay. Hell yeah, Proclaimers. That that makes sense. It has the same sort of vibe as I Would Walk a Thousand Miles. Uh, yeah, it really does. They're both very, very good traveling songs. Yes. Yeah, and there's like a couple on the soundtrack that also date it. Like, mm-hmm. that, similar to how you were saying with, but not not in the same way that the Captain Marvel soundtrack did, where they intentionally put 90s songs, yeah. but in that there are popular artists that nobody listens to anymore, mm-hmm. um, but that were yeah. very popular at the time. That's So true. we have like... 
the Baja men and Leslie Carter, who like nobody recognizes those names anymore. <laughs> These are not sounds on the radio right now, yeah. but were very popular at the time. It totally places it. <laughs> and I'm thinking too, like there can be a huge punch when you get a really cool recognizable song in a soundtrack. Like I'm thinking in Thor Ragnarok when they play yes. the immigrant song by Led Zeppelin during the final fight scene. It should be replaced by Toxic by Britney Spears as all fight <laughs> songs should, but it's still very good and very applicable and super recognizable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really excellent. Like I can't think, I can't hear that song without thinking about that scene now. It's true. Just, every time I hear it, I'm like, oh yeah, here comes Thor and like riding in the like bolt of lightning. Yeah, I'm glad it replaced my original memory, which was me singing at karaoke at age 15. <laughs> I picked a song you have to scream at the beginning of. I yeah. was such a wiener. There's a video of me singing it, and I'm I'm just like tucking my hair behind my ears every five seconds. I'm so nervous. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, I love That's, that song. Like, what a strong karaoke song, though. I made a bold I feel choice. Like any, any, any song <laughs> where you have to scream at the beginning is an excellent choice. Just yeah. really staking your claim there. Like, hey, it's here true. I am. It's time for karaoke. Hear me roar. <laughs> yeah. Yep. In case you didn't know we were singing karaoke, you know now. <laughs> Everyone get ready. <laughs> That's kind of two different ways to take it in the uh, soundtrack department. If you're going to have songs that people can sing along with, which is a really like, you know, solid choice. It'll definitely get you some sales later of people buying the soundtrack because they liked the song. I've looked up songs from soundtracks before. Um, The first Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. Mm -hmm. There's a song that plays while he's doing an underground fight scene and it's not on the soundtrack. And I was so angry because I I bought the soundtrack just for it. And I had to look it up and I couldn't understand it because it's extremely Irish. And it turns Uh out it was Rocky Road to Galway by um, the Dubliners. And I still love that song. It's super good, but was not on the soundtrack. Still mad about it. (laughs) That's, oh, that makes me, that's so annoying too, where I'm just like, just like credit, credit the songs you're using. Seriously. <laughs> you gotta. Like, you have to put that somewhere. Why would you yeah. not put it on the soundtrack? I know. Ridiculous. Did get me into Irish pub songs for a few years there, which was nice though. Oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the nice things about Spotify now where I found if there's a soundtrack that doesn't include particular songs on it, um, there's a lot of folks who will go in and create their own playlists where they have the full soundtrack, mm. but then they'll also include all of the songs that were taken out from the official soundtrack. Excellent. So that's that's been nice. I kind of wonder what the process is for building the soundtrack CDs for these sorts of things. I don't know. Like, why, why can't you get permissions for some songs, you know, mm. to include them? That's a good question. I'm not sure the answer. I mean, I know that there are certain songs that are extremely expensive and so people can't use or they just don't get permission from the original artists, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, in terms of what gets included and what doesn't get included, like something that gets included in the movie, but doesn't get included on the soundtrack that I don't, I mean, I imagine that also has to be some sort of legal permissions thing Yeah, where they might have given legal permission to include it in the movie, but not on the soundtrack. Mm hmm. But they force it, you to go look it up and figure out who the Dubliners are. Right. <laughs> I mean, maybe because, you know, the band might be okay with it used in a movie where folks aren't going, you know, aren't going to buy 
the soundtrack album instead of their album, for example. So like mm-hmm. if that song is included on the Sherlock Holmes soundtrack and people are going out and buying the Sherlock Holmes soundtrack because they like that song as opposed to hearing it being like, hey, I like this song. I think I'll go buy that album. Yeah, that's true. I remember there. I, I bought a lot of my music on iTunes because I was a big nerd and would actually buy my music. And I, you're a better person than me. <laughs> <laughs> I pay for my music. I pay for my porn. I try to convince other people to do this too. But I remember trying to buy one particular song off of an album and I couldn't because they knew it was too popular. So they would make you buy the entire album so you could listen to Regina Spector's The Call from oh, yeah. the uh, Lion from the Chronicles Wardrobe. Of Narnia. Yeah, Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> and I was bitter and refused and instead bought some sort of weird exclusive songs for particular movies only CD that included that song and then some songs from like Meet the Robinsons and all this sure. other Disney stuff. And it was like the one song that the artist had made specifically for that movie, which is a really cool genre in and of itself, I think. Oh, definitely. Now I'm trying to think of like what other soundtracks I can think of that do have that like, you know, end credit. So I mean, I think a lot of the times now you see it, um, you know, it's a song that was in the movie that is now being performed by a popular artist. I mean, I just watched Moana the other day, mm. um, and we see that twice in the end credits. Yeah. Um, God, the soundtrack to Moana is so freaking good. It's so good. <laughs> it tingles. I get tingles from that one. About the only, like, end credits song that I have deeply enjoyed was some song from the end of Frozen 2 that Panic at the Disco did. <laughs> And it just oh, went yeah. off. It was so good. <laughs> I mean, I that's another that. example, though, of a popular artist singing a song that was in the movie. Yes, that's true. But no, that was a very good cover. What are other songs? Examples of songs that were written for the movie or, like, performed for the movie. We had, like, the Regina Spector song. There was a Jonesy song at the end of How to Train Your Dragon. Ooh, yeah, that was really good. Sticks and oh, Stones. that song. I still, that, yeah, that led me into Jonesy and Seagurros. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> the gateway drugs. I mean, the call led me to Regina Spector. I hadn't yeah, heard of her before. <laughs> this is where I learned about new artists, just their right. soundtrack. That's all I listen to. I get so impressed. I, I mean, fuck, there was a song in like a a uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman movie about that was like really dark and gritty or whatever. And the ending song was uh, Hoist That Rag by Tom Waits. And suddenly I was like, oh, geez, Tom Waits is cool as hell. He has the nastiest, gritty little voice. It's very (laughs) dirty, but it's so good. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard the name and I know that there are songs that I would recognize, but I cannot bring his voice to mind. But that's a very good description of it. He also did a cover of the dwarf song from Snow White. He did what? He did a cover of the Hi Ho song from like, Snow White. For himself or for the movie? Not even for the movie. It was just like just covers cause. of songs. Yeah. I don't know why he did it, but it makes it sound like these dwarves are dying in the mines. <laughs> it's terrifying. Yeah. I love they it. They all have consumption. They all have they- <laughs> yes. You got the black lung. <laughs> We're talking a lot about songs that um, have lyrics and are related to the media that has been put out. But there's also, like, you and I have 
talked extensively and deeply about soundtracks that deeply affected us, mostly Lord of the Rings soundtracks. Oh, I have so many opinions about Lord of the Rings. It's so good. Yeah, but it's also largely unspoken. I mean, Into the West will bring me to tears every single time, but a lot of the really powerful songs that do still play in my head sometimes um, by themselves and they're just, you know, orchestral. I think Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter were two of the soundtracks that I listened to all the time when I was growing up because I was a nerd. (laughs) So like the Shrek and Parent Track soundtracks were not mine. Those were like, I don't know where they came from. They were just like family CDs that would just like hang out in the living room and we would listen to them. Valid. But I remember like the Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter CDs being like mine. (laughs) Like I would be gifted them or I would buy them myself. (laughs) And so I remember like, Those are some of the earliest CDs that I actively chose to listen to, which says a lot about me, I think. (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to remember the first CD I ever bought, and I think it was uh, Vanessa Carlton, because I liked exactly one song by her that kept coming on the radio, and it was the Making My Way Downtown song. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think the the first CD that I bought was Avril Lavigne. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I made people buy me Avril Lavigne. Um, uh-huh. but I had to buy Vanessa Carlton for myself because my mom was like, I don't know who this is. I mean, that's, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's um, hilarious that your mom would be willing to buy you Avril Lavigne, but not Vanessa Carlton. I know it's a bit of a puzzler. I mean, both of them are relatively inoffensive, but still funny yeah. to me. Talking about uh, offensive versus inoffensive, my grandma bought me my first pink CD, which was Misunderstood, and it had probably four swears in it. And I remember because every single one, I would full body flinch because I was a big (laughs) dork and hated swearing. And now I'm old and I love swearing. Swearing is great. And I love it. Swearing is the best. It's part of this podcast. It's integral to what we do, the work that we're doing here. (laughs) In a different podcast that I do uh, with a friend where we talk about Lord of the Rings, we had a whole episode about the soundtracks. And a lot of it was from articles that I pulled from your blog. (laughs) You're so welcome. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible stuff. The amount of thought that went into it, the composing process. And I don't know much about the recording process. That's super interesting to me, actually, is the recording of soundtracks and how they decide about that and I don't know that's something that I think about a lot and that I've thought about it often enough that I really should have gone and researched it by now but I think every time I do think about it it's either like very very late at night when I'm trying to go to bed or it's like while I am doing other research and need to focus on work things but I'm listening Mm. to a soundtrack and wondering like hey I wonder how this gets recorded because I also I don't know what the process is at all I'm like do composers get to see what's happening and then they compose based off of that? Are they just told to make a particular mood and they go off of that? I'm like, how does this work? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does, is the, does the music come first and they make something that goes along with it? Or do, does the movie come first and they compose something that goes along with what's on screen? I don't know. I know. It probably depends on the movie. I know that for mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, uh, the composer began before they started filming. I mean, the Lord of the Rings soundtrack is like one of the most incredible soundtracks. It's absolutely so, so good. I've been listening to it recently, actually. I have like the full extended soundtrack on Spotify. Nice. And it's much, much longer than the original. Um, And I've listened to the original soundtracks enough times that I know which songs have been added and which ones have been extended. Ooh. (laughs) I've also watched the movies enough times (laughs) that I remember... (laughs) 
for certain movies which scenes are extended and which ones are not and like which I remember there being a song from I think Return of the King maybe Mm -hmm. and there's a scene in the extended edition where Aomer finds Eowyn's body on like the battlefield and it's like this very like dramatic beautiful beautiful song that wasn't on the original soundtrack because it's the extended edition cut yeah but you can find it on the extended edition soundtrack <laughs> but i remember being so disappointed when i was listening to the soundtracks because i'm like i want to listen to this song it's very very good yeah or like the scene where gandalf and pippin are talking about like gandalf is talking about you know like the afterworld or whatever is like the yeah, going into the west or something yeah. like that and it's also just like this really beautiful it's the um into the west motif yeah and it's like you know a two minute song but it's really really beautiful and it wasn't on the original soundtrack but i can listen to it now yeah because you got the extended edition because i got the extended one Hell and there's yeah. some songs where i'm like this doesn't need to be extended i don't <laughs> feel a strong like most of the battle scenes i'm like i don't really care about this song I'm yeah sorry <laughs> yeah we're talking about motifs in music and just to clarify a leitmotif is a short and recurring musical phrase that's associated with a particular person place or idea it's a German word and it's like a, a trope, like building a trope for a character, but auditorially. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been called the smallest structural unit possessing thematic identity. And I always just think of like the very beginning of the Shire bit where it's like, do, 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 do. And I'm like, okay, that I'm in the Shire now. It's Hobbit time. Yep. Like <laughs> immediately. Yeah, I mean, they have it. that for each, you know, like how the Shire, how Rohan, Gondor, like they all have their own individual, and like individual cities probably have their own motifs as well. They do. Although I'm not discerning enough to be able to pick out all of them. I mean, this is just speaks to the very high quality composer that they got. It was Howard Leslie Shore. He's Canadian and he's conducted massive numbers of film scores, mostly working with David Cronenberg, um, who's known for body horror movies, which is really <laughs> odd. <laughs> yeah. They've collaborated on, he's collaborated on basically every Cronenberg film except for one since 1979. Um, Shit, that's... (laughs) But yeah, it's it's a very, very long career and this dude just like knows his shit with movie scores. It's kind of funny when you watch a lot of movies, you start recognizing the same people popping up, Mm -hmm. like Hans Zimmer. Oh yeah, he's incredibly recognizable. Incredibly obvious. I mean, he does such good work too. Like I notice it now. I can be like, I think this is a Zimmer. And at the end of the movie, Mm -hmm. I'm like, ah, there he is. (laughs) Yep. Or um, who did Pacific Rim? Um, Oh, Raman Dwadi. Yep. Yeah. Also very recognizable. If there's like a lot of cello, you know, it's Raman Dwadi. Yeah, he is the best. I was a little, uh, I didn't know how to feel when I was like, oh, he did the soundtrack for Game of Thrones too. Uh, It's also an incredibly good soundtrack. It is really good, but I don't like that show. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like the show itself is meh, but the soundtrack, especially like the, I think it's the season six soundtrack. There's Mm. one song in particular um, called Light of the Seven, which is one of my all-time favorite soundtrack songs. Mm. Like, I feel like I have a list of songs where I'm just like, these are the songs that I will listen to over and over and over and over again, and they give me a lot of feelings, and that is one of them. Um, Because, like, the song itself, I don't know exactly where, I don't remember where it was placed, but I want to say it was, like, at the beginning of, like, the finale or something like that to the season, and it's this very, very intense scene where hardly anybody talks at all. Mm. Um, So the focus is very much on 
the song and what's happening. And so it starts out as very, very slow and quiet. And for context, this song, I think, is nine minutes long. Mm -hmm. That's pretty long for a soundtrack song. It's very, very long for a soundtrack song. And it starts out as like very, very slow and quiet. Um, It's just like, I think it's just piano. Mm. And it's very repetitive and sort of like, I would almost call it kind of lullaby-esque. Mm. And then you kind of have like a cello comes in pretty soon after that. But it's just those two instruments for a little while. And then as it goes on, it like slowly gets louder and louder and more and more intense. And like you get kind of like this full orchestra bleeding in until like at the very, very end, it's very, very fast paced. It's very, and like this during this scene, I think like it starts out following uh, Cersei and she's doing something. I just remember that at the end of the scene, like the entire church blows up or something like that. So the scene is sort of like starting out with her. She's supposed to be going there to like be put on trial, I think. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. And see, so it unfolds through the music and through like what you're seeing on screen where like it kind of unfolds very, very slowly where you think she's getting ready to, you know, like prepare herself to go on trial to like show up at the church, so on and so forth. Um, and then so you slowly realize kind of as the scene goes on that like, oh no, that's not what's happening at all. <laughs> <laughs> um But that there's so little talking and like the music is really what helps to build the sense of drama throughout this entire scene. Like it's a very, very cool piece. Wow. Yeah. I want to see some documentary about Raman Djawadi. Like his work is Mm -hmm. just amazing to me. I still love the Pacific Rim soundtrack very much. It's very, very good. He's just really good. I have a very weird reaction to the the soundtrack to the movie Wind River. Mm -hmm. I don't think I know that one. I've only seen it once and I don't think I could ever see it again. And I, uh, it has a extremely unexpected and graphic rape scene that lasts 10 minutes that I did not expect to see, but the soundtrack to it is just unbelievably good. Like throughout the whole movie, every song I was like, holy shit. It's by Nick Cave and Warren Ellis. It was just so like dark and haunting I still include it on uh, some playlists like I like to have a song pop up if if it's like a moody sad playlist but it does give me like a little bit of an adrenaline kick (laughs) (laughs) are these instrumental mostly or are they vocal there's instrumental and then there's some like muttering that happens because Nick Cave's a mutterer (laughs) and it's like quiet and grumbly underneath the the words but it doesn't as matter as much as like the sounds of the yeah like I bought the cd and everything and I don't usually buy soundtracks so I was really impressed by that one and it was just so well tailored to the movie which is set in like I think Montana in the middle of the winter and it just follows these very isolated community dealing with a huge tragedy and um trying to get to the bottom of that and it did so well, just like in that empty, bleak, very snowy setting. That sounds really neat. I'll have to give it a listen. Yeah. I do not think I will watch that movie. No, <laughs> I don't recommend it. It's don't want to. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, on like a lighter note, I know that you and I both have a lot of deep feelings about the How to Train Your Dragon soundtrack. I was going to bring that up. I love the soundtrack so much. <laughs> it so good it's just so good so good I mean I have a lot of feelings in particular about the song Forbidden Friendship Mm. which is still one I mean that's another song that's like way up there on my like absolute favorite soundtrack songs ever yes um and like 
it's been what like 10 years since that movie came out and I've watched mm-hmm. this movie like dozens of times and that song in particular still gives me a lot of feelings every time I hear it yeah and like that used to be my go-to study playlist so I have heard this song probably hundreds of times yeah <laughs> but it still hits it's it still hits there's incredible. It, there's something about it it's another song that like really nails the buildup pretty quickly it's not even five minutes long but it just like goes from just like this like very quiet like lovely it's some sort of percussion instrument I don't know what it is mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know it's just like very soft and like echoey it's a very lovely song it's just and so I hopeful yeah hopeful and friendly and really sweet um the composer is John Powell for that yeah. one really just freaking nailed the hell out of that one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's like a lot of other fun songs on the soundtrack itself uh I really enjoy you know like new tale and see you tomorrow because they're just very fun to listen to mm-hmm. and like test drive is also just another extremely good song and like really captures the feeling of just like soaring around on a dragon yeah but i don't know there's like it doesn't get better than forbidden friendship it's such a good song there's a couple of soundtracks that like that give me a lot of feelings where it's like i don't necessarily have the same for some of these i do for some of them i don't like i don't necessarily have the same feelings for the movie itself but i'm definitely a sucker for like period movies with piano soundtracks mm-hmm. so like pride and prejudice theory of everything little woman like all of these soundtracks okay. are extremely good yeah little woman is by alexander desplat pride and prejudice possibly the composer's name is pronounced Jean-Yves Thibodeau. Yeah. And then Theory of Everything is Johan Johansson. But those are all just like, so I mean, like they're complex in a way, but they're also pretty simple and like rely very heavily on the piano. And they're all very lovely and I like them a lot. I use them a lot for like study music, um, mm-hmm. but I also get a lot of feelings. I feel like I should also mention the... Captain America Winter Soldier soundtrack. Oh. <laughs> which I personally enjoy very much. And is also a very good study of soundtrack if you want to feel like you are dying. <laughs> ah. Which when I was crunching really hard for a final or like a paper, I usually did. And I needed yeah. that extra like sheer terror. <laughs> I remember you telling me about this process. Yeah. And I was like, this seems unhealthy, Becca, but go do what you gotta do, I guess. <laughs> I mean, like, the soundtrack itself sounds like somebody threw a bunch of gears into a washing machine. Yes, it does. I am kind of fascinated by superhero soundtracks because sometimes I feel like they all just sort of blend together and they're mush. But then you'll Mm -hmm. get shit like Winter Soldier or you'll get shit like the Wonder Woman theme song from the new DC movies, which Mm -hmm. is played on the electric cello. And <laughs> blows my goddamn mind every oh, I've time. I've got to listen to it. I haven't oh, listened to that soundtrack. It's delicious. It's screamy and angry. It's so good. Um, oh, that sounds amazing. And it's not really on any. It's unfortunately it's on the like Batman versus Superman soundtrack is my favorite version. And I so I have not like bought this because I refuse uh-huh. to give that movie money. Yeah. 
Are there soundtracks that you're just like personally offended by? Cause you're like, this movie didn't deserve a soundtrack this good. Cause mine is Suicide Squad. I'm mad Suicide <laughs> Squad had a soundtrack that good. I don't know about the rest of them, but I do know that the first Twilight movie had a really excellent it did. soundtrack. We watched it as a house the other night and <laughs> uh, we were just like, this is a banger too. Like, damn. It's so good. I mean, <laughs> I have a my... black hole for a fucking baseball scene. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> God, like it's so, yeah, every song is so good. Debussy, they're like, oh, Debussy. And I'm like, this is the easiest, like, damn, this is a beautiful piano piece. It is also like the most basic bitch piano piece. <laughs> I like Moonlight Sonata too. I'm not ashamed, but I am like, I'm not fancy. <laughs> oh man. What Claire de Lune. Song? Fuck I remember off. there was um, an Iron and Wine song at the end of it too. And yeah. I'm just like, damn it. I don't know how much of a phenomenon this is, but I remember when I was really into Tarantino movies, hearing about how like his soundtracks are the most mind-blowing freaking thing ever. And they're really good, but it's a curated thing. Kind of like we were talking about earlier, where it's like you pick songs by various artists and sometimes there's a composer who will like compose a few pieces that you need, but mostly it's popular music or non-popular music, but it's just shit he liked. And it became popular because, you know, he popularized it. I have a lot of his soundtracks for that reason, where it's like, oh, this evokes a specific scene in a movie for me at this point, if I hear this song in the wild. And I do. I mean, Steeler's Wheel is not exactly a hidden band and Stuck in the Middle with You plays fairly regularly if I'm on an oldies station for the radio. I never... Like, I heard that song so much when I was growing up, and I never associated it with a Tarantino movie until you explicitly mentioned how Oops. every time you hear that song, it's, I forget which movie it was even in. Was this one in? Uh, Reservoir Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, that was it. And I think you mentioned at some point that every time you hear that song, you think about Reservoir Dogs. And now I, every time I hear that song, I think about you telling me <laughs> that I mean, I'm glad there's songs that make me make you think of me, Becca. <laughs> Sad it's that one, but uh, too bad. I mean, it's there that are one. others. There are many, many songs that make me think of you. But that, <laughs> while we're talking about Tarantino soundtracks, that is Fair one enough. song where now every time I hear it, I did infect you with that one. Yep. delightful experience of building um fan mixes together which is a different experience than building a soundtrack but somewhat similar I would say (laughs) yeah I have so many fan mixes same many that I've made with you many that I've made independently many that I've made for you (laughs) yes and I have sometimes just like found music through other people's fan mixes which is been an awesome experience there was about there's about two people that I'm not like close friends with some one of whom I doesn't know I exist probably uh who I just get music from on the internet like they'll post a playlist and they'll be like this made me think of a particular show and I'm like I haven't even seen that show but here we go <laughs> like it's time to get some feelings about this and mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty fun. I, I enjoy it. And I'll find bands I didn't know about, or sometimes it's kind of funny 
when you are in the kind of the fan mix game and you're looking for fan mixes, you'll start finding the same songs cropping up on various uh, shipping playlists. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Oh, I'm trying to think of a good example now. I've definitely run into this many, many times. I'm definitely sure Take Me to Church had to show up for an extended period of time while it was popular on shipping playlists. Oh, it had to have been. Like, I remember seeing Eden, also by Hoosier, also, like, very, very commonly on Good Omens. Absolutely. Like, uh, fan mixes. What else? I'm trying to think of what's... I remember seeing a lot of similar songs on Taz playlists. Like, I Can't yeah. Help Falling in Love with You would show up on, like, every single Magnus Aww. playlist. Yeah. Just because it has, like, wise men say only fools rush in. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Because there's the phrase, you know, rushing in, you've got to add it to a Magnus playlist. Yeah. Um, hey, brother would show up for oh, Tucker yeah. and Loop. I love that one. Yep. I mean, that one, I think also, like, there was a very popular video, like an animatic that somebody set to that song. And I think that is largely a reason why it would crop up so frequently on fan mixes, because I think a lot of folks saw that video, which is extremely good. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, it can't, <laughs> this song is now associated with Taz. It's true. It definitely is for me. I cannot hear that song without thinking about Loop and Taco. Yeah. I love it when a song will start doing that for me, but there's very little reason for it. Like there's a song that I found that was actually kind of my song of the summer just because I really liked it. And it was uh, showed up at a Magnus Archives animatic and had almost nothing to do with what was going on in the animatic. It was just a good song, I think, and the person liked it. So they set it to this. And uh, the song is called Make Out. And it's just about how you want to make it. And it like nothing, no kissing happened in the video. It was about (laughs) explosions. There was nothing. Um, But that's on my Magnus Archives playlist. And I'm like, anyone listening to this will be like, why the fuck is this Make Out (laughs) song on a playlist about the like 14 fears in the Magnus Archives? And I'm like, don't worry about it. I just think about it. I mean, that's kind of the fun thing, too, about listening to other people's fan mixes is trying to figure out exactly what about a particular song made them think. Of, and sometimes there's no reason for it. But yeah. sometimes, like, you know, I'll see a song and I'll be like, what on earth made you think that this? Because, like, a lot of times when I am making my own fan, I'm extremely picky where mm. it has to fit both lyrically and tonally. So, like, Ooh. the way that a song sounds has to fit fit how I see a particular character and if the sound is too different then I won't add it even if the lyrics are perfect wow and vice versa like if the tone is perfect but there aren't any lyrics that apply then like I'm not gonna add it mm-hmm. and so like there are times where like I'll see a song that just seems so totally like wildly different than what I would think and so I'm like okay I gotta like dig through the lyrics here and figure out what it is about this song that makes you think of this character because I'm getting nothing I've gone looking for covers before because I wanted a song to fit so bad, but the like original was too upbeat or something. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I can't put this on here. I did that for uh, Losing My Religion. I went Mm -hmm. and found like an acoustic version because I was like, I can't. It's a good cover though. (laughs) It's a really good cover. And it it made me really happy earlier in quarantine when I was uh, still living in an apartment. Some apartment dweller (laughs) was playing the dulcimer and they played that song on the dulcimer and I was like oh it's just like the cover I found (laughs) (laughs) wait that's cute Uh, this was for a good omens playlist and I really like we traded good omens playlists because like we were getting the about the same feelings from that show and I I was just delighted by the crossovers that happened and 
it was really fun to see what you put on there by an artist. And I would sometimes put an artist on there, but a different song by them. And that was really, really fun. (laughs) I think Good Omens was one of the more difficult playlists to make for me because usually, so like my fan mix making process is usually I'll just compile like a whole bunch of songs. I'll whittle them down a little by little. Yeah. Um, So I might have, you know, like five songs by the same artist and I'll whittle it down to like one or two, you know, maximum two. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'll just like start out with maybe 30 or so songs and then whittle it down to like, like 10 to 20, usually 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'll, I'll usually cross them out either by like, when I'm pulling stuff together, I just like toss in whatever seems applicable. And then when I'm going through, I'll like, cut out the ones where I'm like, well, like this actually isn't as close as I, as I thought, or, you know, there'll be something that's kind of similar. And so I'll pick whichever one I like better. Mm-hmm. And then I'll put them in order by like, how they sound well together so like they have to be able to like blend into each other well and like I'll try to make them kind of tell a story as it goes through the playlist um Mm -hmm. sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't (laughs) and so like I'll cut out songs too where it's like sometimes the lyrics work but I can't find a good place to put it where it fits in with the songs around it and so it'll get cut that kind of thing and the good omens playlist that I made I think was probably one of the most difficult because I had so many songs to wade through. <laughs> I think I probably, let me see, because I I stuck all of the extra ones into their own playlists. So I now have three playlists. I have one for, oh no, I have four. I have the my original playlist. I have the reject bin. I have one for Curly and I have one for Aziraphale. Wow. So my playlist has 22 songs. My reject bin has 38 songs. <laughs> and then my Aziraphale and Crowley ones have like 15 to 18 songs each. And some of these are overlap. Most of them are not, which is to say I had some like 50 to 70 songs oh, to man. narrow down to make one playlist. I've got to listen to these other ones. I haven't heard those. We, <laughs> we traded one each and I kind of crammed some of your songs onto mine and just called it good. Um, but now I have more to listen to. This is great. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I haven't published any of the other ones one of them I have like my official playlist which was called you know it's a big universe you can stay at my place if you like and I have one that's literally just ineffable husbands reject bin and then I have untitled Crowley playlist and untitled Xerophil playlist (laughs) (laughs) good job good job yep yep man I, I felt like I was uniquely positioned for that particular playlist exchange because I had started building a playlist months before the show even came out that was just called heaven and hell Because I had Uh the idea of of compiling songs that mentioned heaven, hell, angels, or demons, or devils. You were were prepared. I know. I I wasn't even thinking about the show when I was doing it, but I was like, this is a good concept. And then the show came out and I was like, oh, fuck, I can recycle a ton of these. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And had an absolutely fabulous time picking which ones were like most yearny and (laughs) dramatic. And I was like, fuck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of fun making playlists for, you know, like particular ships, but I also really enjoy making playlists for characters that either are not shipped with anyone or that I don't ship with anyone or just mm-hmm. making it for the character themselves and not the ship. Yeah. I find it really difficult sometimes because it's really hard to find good songs that are not about love mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or that are about different kinds of love. Yeah. But I don't know. It's a, it's a fun exercise in like finding different kinds of songs. We had a fun one because we made a bunch of uh, the Adventure Zone playlists. Yeah, I made one for I every character that was in 
the um the well this is kind of a spoiler but the uh ipre and then i made one for the ipre itself <laughs> like a yep. big nerd and it went weird places a lot of it i started trying to overlap particular artists or mm -hmm. i would do a cover of a song and then the original song on a different character's playlist yeah i just started trying to like connect them with each other which was super fun that's such a cool concept that i love that yeah i don't know like building playlists is really a a big thing that I'm doing a lot of now and it's so much fun to try and do and I deeply appreciate Spotify for recommending stuff to me even when it totally gets confused and lost and is like <laughs> oh do you just want to listen to the all-american rejects and I'm like stop <laughs> it don't do this to me it does that to me too and I'm like no that's not what I wanted I, I didn't want, want more this. songs on the same album <laughs> Or it's like, oh, you like Pharmacon? Should it be on every playlist you ever make? And I'm like, what's well, a good song, but no. <laughs> or that one awkward time where I made one playlist, it's called Gay List, and it's uh -huh. just about how you want to make sweet love to a woman. And now every song is like, oh, do you want the song about how to eat pussy real good? And I'm like, no, <laughs> not in this playlist. Stop it. <laughs> Like, excellent song, but not what I need right now. Yeah. Pussy is God by Queen, uh, King Princess is, in fact, a very good song. I was uh, <laughs> uh, uncomfortable by it for a while because I saw it on a dating app. Everyone on gay Tinder was like, oh, I love Pussy is God by King Princess. And I was like, that's stupid. And then I'm like, no, this song is actually extremely good. Damn it. <laughs> oh, really? You get, like, recommendations like that and you're like, oh, it's good and I'm mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, my brother uh, builds me a playlist in Spotify. It's hidden, but it's just songs that he comes across that he thinks I'll like. And Aww, it's updated really pretty sporadically. It's really sweet. But um, the last two songs that he added to it for me, the first one was called Be Gay, Do Crimes, Hail Satan. And the second oh, song- that sounds familiar. It's very good. I sent it around to people. <laughs> and the last one that he added was, I want to fuck you till I'm dead. <laughs> and I was like- <laughs> These are good songs. My brother told me to listen to them. Yeah, I don't. The first one, maybe. The second one, I'm like, I don't, I don't want my brother to send that to me. I, I, I was like, I, I texted him. I was like, listen, AJ, I saw the last two songs you sent me. They're extremely good. I've done yoga to I want to fuck you till I'm dead on repeat for <laughs> half an hour. But I'm, <laughs> why? And he was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> They're just oh, good songs. No. <laughs> That's a bad answer. I know, I know. I feel like my Spotify history would probably, like my Spotify gets worried for me. Early in <laughs> quarantine, all I was doing was listening to Frightened Rabbit. And it was like, do you want to listen to something nice? And I was like, I want to listen to Frightened Rabbit again. <laughs> I feel like that's all I want. That's all I want to hear. <laughs> I'm very bad at expanding my tastes. I pretty much only listen to music that came out between like 2012 and 2014. And that's like it. <laughs> <laughs> because that was, I think you gave me a fuck ton of music during our senior year. Yeah. And that was the last time that I got any new music. And then I was like away for a couple of years and didn't have like radio or anything. True. So all I listened to was whatever was in my iTunes account and didn't require <laughs> internet access. And now that's all I know. <laughs> oh no, Becca. <laughs> but I'm also like, I like listening to music that I can sing along to, which is why I very rarely will listen to new music because I can't oh. sing along to it but then I also never get to the point where I can listen to or where I can sing along to it because I don't listen to it because I can't sing along to it <laughs> the catch-22 of new music I know <laughs> <laughs> 
gotta listen to more of my playlists. I love all my playlists. I'm such a, like, what am I? I'm really proud of it, but in like a smug way. What's a mean way of saying I'm proud of it? I don't know. I'm just proud of my music tastes. I like them. <laughs> you do have really excellent music tastes and I do have several of your playlists saved. That's um, and like, I'll usually, especially if there, there are like artists or songs that I recognize on a playlist and then I'm willing to like save it and listen to it for a little while because I'm like well eventually a song that I know will come up <laughs> and as yeah. long as one of those comes up frequently enough that I can like sing along to it then I'll like listen to the playlist but if the entire if I don't know any artists on the entire playlist then I'm like well I this could be anything <laughs> it's true I do feel bad <laughs> I about that yeah I know I feel really bad about it but I'm also just like well I'm not willing to sit and click through all of these songs to figure out what kind of playlist this is I'm just gonna skip it. <laughs> now I have a playlist that's called just makes you wail that is all the songs that I have to sing at full volume and people have to suffer me just screaming it that's a good playlist to compile I think mm -hmm. I've seen that playlist on your Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> there's some weird stuff on there like but there's I also can some very good stuff on there yes but like I can wail along with a song that's entirely in Arabic and like I <laughs> I just make the sounds I don't know what I'm saying I just really love that song and I'm like I don't know if this is offensive or not but I do love Khaberniki. <laughs> I think I've heard that either you sent it or I heard it in Jordan or both mm. It's by a guy who does not have a lot of music, but Kansa, what he has is really good. Let me double check. Like, I don't know what Haberni means, but like Keith is just how. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I wish they translated more or had the translations for different songs. I've been really delighted the times that I've been able to find it. Like Peter Fox is one of my favorite artists and he raps in German. And I found somebody who would translate his songs. And I was like, these are really clever lyrics, actually. Like, the play on words with it is fantastic. Mm -hmm. One more thing I'd like to say about uh, soundtracks, I suppose, and music about shows. I don't know. I don't know how this totally fits in, but I was thinking about it earlier and uh, didn't know how to bring it up. But um, it is also hard because you haven't seen The Witcher. But there was the phenomenon of the toss a coin to your Witcher song, um, mm -hmm. which you know about. Uh, I knew about. I haven't theory. heard it yet. I haven't heard it. I have not because I don't watch videos with sound on them. If I, if I see a video on Tumblr or Twitter or wherever, I will watch it without the sound if it auto plays. Yeah. Um, and if it's interesting enough without sound, then I'll just like keep watching. Or if like it has like subtitles or something, I'll just read the subtitles. Yeah, subtitled videos are the best. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, they're amazing. And like, there are some where I'm like intrigued enough where it says like, oh, you have to have the sound on. And I'm like, all right, like this looks like a cute animal video. I want to see what's going on. But there are others where, where if it doesn't look interesting and it tells me I have to turn the sound on, I'm like, mm, nah. Yeah. Well, um, it's on Spotify as part of the Witcher soundtrack. And um, funnily enough, the Witcher soundtrack, the video games shows up in critical role most of the time, like in the background of most fights is like the Witcher soundtrack, apparently. Um, but this is for the show. And it's uh, Joey Beatty, who has a band called The Amazing Devil that is really awesome. Um, it's such theater kid bullshit. It's hilarious. <laughs> He's so overdramatic. It's very good, though. I recommend listening to some of their songs. Um, 
but he sings Toss a Coin to Your Witcher. And I read a whole article analyzing why it's almost an unsettling song to listen to um, because it's a weird mix of genres. And the song itself on Spotify, I find the sound mixing annoying. His voice is really quiet, so I have to kind of crank it. And then the, the like instrumental bits are too loud for me, my mm-hmm. taste, but I have sensitive baby ears and don't <laughs> love that. But yeah, they talk about how it incorporates a lot of like musical theory around like failing to resolve certain parts of music and it leaves you kind of interesting discontent and oh no now I want to listen to it and I'm mad about it (laughs) I'm gonna make you listen to at least the song toss a coin to your witcher it's not a spoiler (laughs) I've avoided it for so long The song itself, I find it quite lovely. I'm mad because now Spotify thinks I need to listen to it on every single playlist I make. And I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm good. But um, it was a fascinating thought about music theory and with a show that has a appeal that's um, trying to appeal to people in modern times, but also like fake ass medieval worlds how it tried to include like lute stuff and, you know, um, period typical instruments, but then also these complex uh, ideas about how to create basically a rock song. And um, it was a really fun article. I'm, I'm going to try to dig it up and include it in the show notes. Uh, that makes me think of the soundtrack from A Knight's Tale. Oh, hell yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> also extremely good but they do the same thing of trying to blend like modern songs like rock and pop songs with like medieval sounds and they pull it off fantastically they They do do an excellent job that well they create such a mood that's like here's what hearing a like delightful little piper's tune would feel like back in the day when you have never heard a rock concert and everything you've done is sing in church with your like five (laughs) fellow village members it's fascinating yeah that that oh man that movie really just pops off with how to make a a banging soundtrack yeah it went hard like they didn't even like i think my favorite thing about that movie i have a a lot of opinions about that movie too Mm. and I haven't seen it in a minute but I think the best part about it is like they're not necessarily trying for historical accuracy at all and that's the fun of it like yes they're like yeah fuck off with your historical accuracy we're just (laughs) having a good time and that's exactly what happens with the soundtrack too where they're like and we're gonna kind of like half-ass it but like in a way that you know that we're half-assing it so don't even try to come at us It's probably the best use of We Will Rock You that I've ever seen where it wasn't like, it was used so beautifully. I was like, yeah, this is how you start a fucking joust. (laughs) It really is. And I think every other use of that song takes it much too seriously and you cannot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God, the incorporation of Queen into any soundtrack has to be done with care and it, cause it's just so dang powerful. Like there's <laughs> no other artists more powerful. I have a deep love for Freddie Mercury and the band Queen. Yep. <laughs> because it will automatically take over any scene that it is yes. used in. <laughs> yes. It took over a wedding that I was in. Like Bohemian Rhapsody came on during the dancing bit. And I swear we summoned something. Like we were a <laughs> circle of people who had not decided to do this. But here we all were just 
freaking out to Bohemian Rhapsody and it's still like a very powerful moment in my heart. I've had a lot of powerful Bohemian Rhapsody moments in my life. I I feel like every Bohemian Rhapsody moment is a powerful Bohemian Rhapsody moment. I have so many memories associated with that song and all of them are extremely powerful. Yeah. And it's not always necessarily like pure unadulterated joy. It's just like a weird connection almost. It's so recognizable that they made this and it, it makes you feel very connected to other people, that song. I think because as soon as it comes on, everybody knows that song. Everybody knows the lyrics to that song. Everyone has this primal urge to sing along with the song as loud as you possibly can. Yeah. So it's like, that's what, like, you can't play this song in like a retail store because everyone <laughs> in the store will lose their minds. Yes. There's a lot of powerful energy in Queen. And yeah. That's that's nice. It's good to add to playlists. It it derails things a little bit sometimes for mm-hmm. me though, where I just suddenly want to go and listen to a whole bunch of Queen and I'm like, fuck this yeah. playlist actually. <laughs> Nothing will ever top it. <laughs> I feel like that's when I was making the Good Omens playlist, I guess to like bring it back full circle to this, but I you have to add Queen to a Good Omens playlist. Yeah. It's obligatory. Absolutely. But I had such a hard time figuring out where to put any Queen song because Wherever you put a queen, it doesn't fit with any of the other songs. No. None of them ever will. No. And it does derail the playlist immediately. Yeah. Um, I ended up bookending the playlist. I, ha- I started it with Under Pressure, and then I yeah. ended it with I Was Born to Love You. Yeah. Which is also hilarious to me, because the song just preceding that was the Kina Grannis cover of I Can't Help Falling in Love with You, which is very <laughs> slow, very <Yes>. quiet, <laughs> like very gentle, very beautiful. And then you just get like shot into space (laughs) with the next it's just it's very jarring Freddie Mercury lights a Roman candle in your head and you're like I can conquer the world now (laughs) and like I did intentionally plan this because like as the playlist goes on like leading up to Kina Granis like it gets like slower and quieter and gentler into so it's like this whole playlist is kind of like ramping down and so you get to this song and you're like this is literally as slow and quiet as a song could possibly go mm-hmm. it's just quiet acoustic guitar and Kina Granis who has a lovely singing voice like it, this has to be the last song and then the song after that it just starts out with Freddie Mercury <laughs> just a thousand times louder yeah <laughs> you're like blows your speakers out <laughs> yep yep (laughs) oh man yeah I'm just looking I'm gonna listen to this playlist after we're done here because I fucking love it (laughs) yeah I'm very proud of my good omens playlist I think that's one of the ones that I am most proud of (laughs) it's fantastic I'm trying to think of playlists that I'm really proud of I feel like I overplay them a lot after a certain point like I've made some that I was just like these are really good songs and I put them on a playlist and they make me think about the characters now but I just put this on when I can't think of anything else to put on. Like I have some mm. for Hunter Hunter that are that way. Good Omens was my go-to for a really long time. Like for a solid half a year when I didn't know what else to put on, I'd put on a Good Omens playlist. Oh yeah, same. Yeah. And now I'm, uh, unfortunately, thanks to the Magnus Archives, I have made a playlist called The Lonely, which <laughs> I uh, did put a little disclaimer that's like, would you believe that this is not a dunk on myself during the 2020 <laughs> quarantine, but is in fact about a podcast. And that one has some bangers and some bummers um, intermixed. And so that's kind of my go-to now. That's a good, I feel like 
every good playlist should be a sort of like some combination of bangers and bummers you gotta have them both yeah i the way that i build playlists in general is a series of kind of like peaks and valleys so i try to hit some good crescendos and then mellow it out and sometimes a playlist is long enough that i hit another crescendo uh the most recent one i made was about change because i woke up with uh, two lines from a mountain goat song stuck in my head and decided to build a playlist around the concept of change and transformation and uh, just got a bunch of suggestions from people, which was delightful and super weird. I was like, why does me and Julio down by the schoolyard make you think about change? But okay, <laughs> Kate, here it goes on the playlist. <laughs> it's a good playlist. I have been listening to that one a couple times. Nice. Um, I usually yeah. do put it on shuffle though. I don't know if it's supposed to be listened to in order. I have not. It kind of is, but there's some weird ones on there again, and most of them are Kate's fault. Um, <laughs> but that's fine. Music is a very powerful way to experience feelings. Sometimes I can't always fathom why I feel something about a song, too. Oh, yeah. Are there any like particular songs like that where you're like, I don't know why this is hitting me, but it sure is? Uh, Upward Over the Mountain, that one time, as I said. Oh, yeah. I feel like it also changes. Yeah. Like there's a lot of songs that might hit me a particular way. And then like, I'll listen to it later on, like wanting to feel the same way. And it just doesn't land anymore. Yeah. Um, which is always kind of disappointing where I'm just like, I really want to feel that like particular emotion that I used to get listening to the song. And I just don't. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty careful about that. Like mm -hmm. if I get that from a certain song, I'll try not to listen to it as much. Um, I'm like, I'm going to wear it out, you know, the feeling <laughs> that it gives me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying, like, I know that there are some, and I'm just completely. That's fine. Spacing. No worries. Probably because it's the only thing that I've been listening to for the past, like, two days of the Steven Universe soundtrack, <laughs> which also gives me many feelings. A fucking but. good soundtrack, too. We We should touch on this really quickly before we end this episode, but, like, We've been watching Kipo and you've been oh, catching so up on Steven Universe and fucking children's show soundtracks. Avatar The Last Airbender soundtrack. Yes. <sighs> so good. Uh, we looked it up, actually. We were watching it as a house and we were like, what's a Sungi horn, actually? Mm -hmm. And we looked it up and they like made it up by mashing two instrument sounds together and like oh, in post basically so they modulated a particular horn and made up an instrument called the sungi horn for it oh that's really neat yeah more fun world building from the avatar uh last airbender people huh yeah i can say that the she-ra soundtrack is also very good mm. it's like a really fun blend of like traditional music scores but also kind of like plays with a lot of like electronic-y stuff Mm. Um, particularly as seasons go on and so that's very fun and there's like the promise theme for Catra and Adora which gives me very many feelings oh. I didn't notice it the first time I watched the show but then I remember like I was watching as I, I was watching I think like season four and season five with my girlfriend and she kept mentioning like this particular theme and I was like I didn't catch it like I don't know what this theme sounds like and so I just, I would miss it every time and so I finally went through and like listened to the soundtrack and I was like oh that's I do know this theme. I just didn't catch it at the time. And so then I went, I went through and like watched the show again and I would like hear it and I get very many feelings because it would mm. show up at like very key moments. And I was just like, Oh no. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. But yeah, 
children's shows with really excellent soundtracks. Yeah. I Kipo is just like consistently still blowing my mind. Yeah. I'm terrible though about noticing motifs and music and stuff. I, I didn't have a huge musical background growing up. I played the marimba in middle school and I noodle around on the ukulele every few months now. I'm not good, but um, I wish I had that kind of mindset where you can pick that sort of thing out. I'm bad at recognizing voice actors too, though. So maybe my ear just is bad. Mostly what I get excited about are the intros to shows, like the Gravity yeah. Falls intro. We haven't watched it yet, but we will. And uh, at one point I would, I was sewing in my basement one summer, making a quilt and watching Gravity Falls uh, off to the side. And I got to the point where I could like whistle along with it, which was really fun. Aww. And um, I watch a lot of anime, and so anime openers, uh, I am at the point where I can only sing the Japanese version of the, again, theme song to Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, which I fucking love. And I accidentally sang it. I wasn't thinking, and I was like shuffling my magic deck, because I'm a cool person, um, (laughs) with my friends. And uh, my friend Plunk was like, are you singing? And I was like, what? And he's like, this is Japanese. And I was like, I know it's again. And he was like, why can you sing along with this? And then I got very embarrassed because I hadn't <laughs> noticed that I was singing and could sing along with a, a Japanese version of a theme song. Wait, so was it that they didn't realize that it was a theme song or just they were surprised that you could sing along with it? I, people are weirded out when I sing along in another language. I only speak English well. Um, I can half-ass my way through Spanish, Latin, and a little bit of ancient Greek. And I know some random snippets of like French and German and shit like that. But I'm not a person who can speak a lot of different languages. So when I can sing along with German rap or I can sing along with, I guess, Japanese pop or uh, Korean pop. When Gun- Gangnam Style was out, I was big into Gangnam <laughs> Style or now the Arabic stuff, and uh, I'm getting into Hebrew songs. I can sing some of the bits of those. People are weirded out, and they don't understand why I do that. But I'm like, it's just sounds. And I sing about as close as I can get, and I get a little closer every time. And it's just really fun for me to sing. (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, I also enjoy singing stuff. and Like, I really enjoy, too, trying to, like, figure out where the different words are. So, like, there'll be, like, there's a song in... It's in Faroese. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and so it's it's very fun, like, listening to it and, like, looking at the lyrics. And, like, I don't know what each word is, although, like, I can find the translation very easily. Mm-hmm. But, like, it's fun kind of trying to pick out, like, where the breaks are between different words and, like, where, like, the emphasis is in the song and that kind of thing. It's, so, like, that's yeah. very fun. Or, like, with languages that I do know, like, there's a couple of French songs, and it's very fun to see how, because, like, it's it's the same thing in English, where, like, the way that you stress a word or, like, a particular phrase in a song is very, it's, like, it's not the same as when you're speaking it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I never think about that in songs in different languages (laughs) (laughs) Um, until I'm, like, listening to it and reading along with the lyrics, and I'm like, oh, oh, I didn't catch what that word is, but, like, now that I'm looking at the songs, I'm like, oh, I do know what that word is. I just didn't recognize it because the emphasis is different in the song. It's really freaky to me when I have the experience of listening to a song that I know is in English, but I can't understand it. Um, Like this most recently happened with a bummer song my brother sent me called Soften and Shake. And the, um, 
I, what I, the text I sent him was, uh, it feels like I'm having a stroke. It's like the opposite of a mond green. A mond green is when you mishear a lyric and it makes it have a totally new meaning. Um, but it, it feels like part of the chorus is just verbal mush to me. And it took me so long to parse it. And the, the line is been good, been bad, been hard to break. But for some reason, I couldn't understand what she was saying. It was just like, rum, 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 rum. And I was like, what <laughs> is happening to me? I know this is English. <laughs> yeah, I always find that very frustrating where I'm like, I just want to know what you're saying so I can sing along to it. Please just let me sing this song with you. <laughs> I'm at the point now that we're all just sing the misheard lyric a lot of the times because it's more fun for me. That's My fair. brother ruined a Father John Misty song. It was uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, which is a beautiful song, and I really like it. Uh, but we listened to it, and he was like, in the chorus, it kind of sounds like he's saying, someone's got a healthy dick instead of someone's got to help me dig. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> you're never going to hear it any other way now. It's the only way now. And I giggle myself every time. It makes me very happy, <laughs> but also mad at my brother. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> on one hand, very funny. On the other hand, probably a very beautiful song that you can now never unsee. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, thank you for listening to us talk about music and soundtracks and fan mixes for so long um i'm sure there's Everyone more we could go talk listen about to all of these soundtracks now yes we're gonna put a big list in the show notes i am sure so if you need to we could put up like a recommendations list like yeah <laughs> recommended listening oh my god yes so if you need more new music and who doesn't need more new music all the time he does you can check us out at our Tumblr, which is tagged tforswears.tumblr.com. You can email us at tforswears.pod at gmail.com. And we are available through all major podcasting apps. So it'd be awesome if you could give us a kudos or leave a comment or recommend us to your friends if you think that they would be interested in the weird bullshit that we talk about. And thank you for listening. Smell you later.